Well, good morning, Cross Point Church. How's everybody doing this morning? Everybody doing well? It's good to see you here this morning. I tell you, I'm just so encouraged by uh, the opportunity that we have each and every week to come and worship together this uh, in spirit and truth and just lift up our voices. And, and I'll tell you, I was just sitting down there this morning just thinking how thankful I am for Spence and our worship team and all the work they put in every week. I don't know if you know the amount of work that goes into just getting ready for a Sunday morning, but uh, can we just thank Jesus this morning for all the hard work that, that so many people put into it, you know? There's so many ministries in, a, in the life of our church every Sunday morning. There's so many behind-the-scenes ministries that are taking place, people that you never see. You know, our worship team is one that is, is up front and center, but there's so many others that are taking place within the life of the church as well. And, and I was just sitting down there this morning just thinking how thankful I am for each and every ministry and the, the opportunity that we have to come together and just worship together. And, and uh, I tell you, I'm, I'm excited about what God is doing in the lives of individuals here at this church. And God is moving in some remarkable ways in the hearts of people, and lives are being transformed. And, and I tell you, people are discovering something about Jesus that they didn't know before. And I, I just love that. And it's happening in our life groups. It's happening in the hallways. It's happening in the bean team. It's happening in the children's ministry. It's happening everywhere. And I just couldn't be more excited about just being a part of what, what God is doing in this place. And so uh, I'm also excited about the, the message this morning. And, and, uh, and two, just the reality that, that um, you know, last week I had an opportunity to talk to uh, several different individuals after the services and several of our pastors did as well. And it was just really remarkable to, to see how people had, had come to this realization that, that they were here uh, and, and that God was speaking to them in a, a very unique way, a very individual way. And, and this, this idea that, that, you know, that they were so glad they just came. And uh, we had the opportunity to have conversation about this truth that, that I, I really believe that, that God uh, draws men and women unto himself and that I, I really believe that every one of us are here today and we were here last week because God wanted us to be here. I'm convinced that God desires to, uh, to draw us unto himself and, and as a result of that, you know, he places on our hearts uh, the desire to come here and, and to just worship together and to hear from his word and to participate in this ministry. So I'm just, I'm very thankful that that, uh, that we're here every week, and, and I know that this is summer, and our crowds are a little bit smaller because it's also time for beach and lake and all those other things that, that draw us away from our communities and our homes to, to vacation and, and all those things, and those things are very important for us as we nurture our vitality. But the reality is, is that, um, that it's just one of the most encouraging things uh, for me is to come in here and worship with you guys this morning and every morning. And so thank you for being here this morning. It's, it's very awesome. I want to pray for us here, and then we're going to dive into God's Word. We're going to continue in this series that we have started called Greater Than. And so let's pray, and then we'll dive into God's Word together. So pray with me if you will. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord Jesus, Holy Spirit of God, Lord, we are so thankful for your presence here today. We're thankful for, God, the opportunity that we have to worship you. And Father, this morning we acknowledge, Father, we confess this great need that we have for you in our life. Father, we recognize that, Lord, through our Savior Jesus Christ, Lord, we can 
We can find hope. We can find restoration. We can find redemption. Father, we acknowledge that we are in desperate need of you. And God, we, we thank you for your presence in this place, whether we're singing songs, whether we're spending time in prayer, whether we're giving as an act of worship. But Lord, whether we're reading and preaching and hearing from the Word of God. So Father, thank you for being here with us this morning. And Father, we, we acknowledge that, Lord, your Word is, is something that we desperately need as we, God, seek to understand how to get through this thing called life, which comes so filled with surprises each and every day. God, things that we don't hope for, sufferings that we have to endure. And so, Father, we, we just acknowledge this morning, Lord, that we need you and that we love you and that we praise you. And Jesus, it's in your name that we pray. Amen. This morning, I want to dive into one of the issues that we're going to be looking at throughout this series. Last week, I preached uh, a message, and the title of that message was that Jesus is greater than my despair. I sort of personalized it because the reality is I want you to know that I go through some of the same things that you go through on a daily basis. And I talked about last week the reality that, that growing up in life, that, that there were several issues that I had to deal with, and the three biggies in my life were insecurity, fear, and hopelessness. This morning we're going to be talking about hopelessness, feeling as though there is no hope in our life. This was a big struggle for me growing up as a young man, and I can remember having conversations with my dad. I can remember crying to my mom and thinking that life just didn't really have anything to offer me except for the reality in which I was living in at the moment. I didn't know about a career. I didn't know about schooling. I didn't know how I was going to make it in, in this thing called life. And life seemed so overwhelming to me that I just couldn't see an end. I couldn't see a need for a goal in my life. I didn't have any sense of purpose in my life. And for a young man like me that was dealing with insecurities and fears, it was, just, it, it was one of those things that just led to a sense of hopelessness. I felt as though... I just had no options in life. But you know, hopelessness is not the reality that there are no options. That's not what hopelessness is. Hopelessness is not this reality of, of having no options. It's this reality that we have an intense feeling that there are no options. In other words, we begin to convince ourselves, we begin to feel as though there are no options. There's always options, but we just don't feel as though there are options. And that's when we have slipped into a, a place of hopelessness. Hopelessness hopeless can be defined as, in this way as having no expectation of good or success. Hopeless can be defined as feeling incapable of recovery or improvement. Hopelessness is very much a reality in most of our lives, if not just briefly, sometimes for long periods of time, but hopelessness is, is having this overwhelming feeling that life is incapable of getting better. And that's just not true. 
especially when it comes to Jesus. And so this morning, I want to talk about this this feeling of hopelessness that we sometimes experience. It seems to come out of nowhere, and it so often can attack just any one of us. It can come uh, at all different times of our life. Robin Williams was a man who who had it all, he accomplished it all in the entertainment world. Robin Williams started off as a stand-up comedian, and he was very successful at that, and he eventually moved into television and, and sitcoms and had several different shows, and then he moved into the movies, and, and Robin Williams was making all kinds of things. The entertainment industry labeled Robin Williams as a national treasure when it came to Life is an entertainer. But after his death, his wife wrote these words. She says, I lost my husband and my best friend while the world lost one of the most beloved artists and beautiful human beings. I am utterly heartbroken. Williams' daughter, Zelda, she wrote these words. She said, the world is forever a little darker, less colorful, and less full of laughter in his absence. You see, in... August of 2014, Robin Williams committed suicide. And unlike a lot of the deaths that we see in the entertainment world today where where entertainers die at an early age, in Robin's presence there was neither alcohol nor drugs. And most of the people that knew Robin Williams said that he just had simply lost Hope for living. Hopelessness can grip us all. And the reality is is that there's probably some here today that are feeling a bit hopeless in their life. There may be others here today that have maybe been through periods of hopelessness, but we know how circumstances in our life can change all of that. There could be some here today that just have sort of come to this place where we've, we've, we've almost given up on life because we've lost all sense of hope. And if you've never been there before, let me tell you, my friends, it's not a pleasant place to be. If you've never been there before, let me just warn you, I guess, to say that, that life is such a way that ultimately you may experience that sense of feeling as you get older. I hope you don't. But hopelessness is a, is a terrible thing to, to have to deal with. This morning we're going to be talking about hopelessness. As we look at this, we're going to be looking at a passage in 2 Corinthians. But one of the things that we notice here as we read through this letter that Paul had written to the Corinthians is we begin to see almost on the onset that Paul, the Apostle Paul, he himself even dealt with a sense of hopelessness in his life. Now, he's writing this letter to to basically say, listen, we need to replace the feeling of hopelessness with hope that we have in Christ Jesus. That's one of the major themes of this letter. But here, the Apostle Paul reveals the despair that he himself went through as he was writing this letter and recalling the things in his life as a, as a man who was in pursuit of God and believing in Jesus Christ and knowing that Jesus Christ was the, his hope in this world, he still suffered, like you and I often suffer, of having this sense of hopelessness. And we see this almost in the onset of his letter. In chapter 1, the Apostle Paul was writing and he says, 
these words. He says, For we do not want you to be unaware, brothers, of the affliction we experienced, we experienced in Asia. For we were so utterly burdened beyond our strength. Now look at this. The Apostle Paul, this man who wrote so much of God's word for us, inspired by the Holy Spirit of God, he writes this. He says, For we were so utter, utterly burdened beyond our strength that we despaired of life itself. He goes on in verse 9. He says, Indeed, we felt that we had received the sentence of death. Sound like a person that is filled with hope? It doesn't, does it? One of the things that is so beautiful about this is the reality that as I read through these words, I, I understand that the Apostle Paul himself often went through these same feelings that oftentimes I struggle with as well, and maybe you struggle with as well, and certainly our friends and our family and our neighbors struggle, struggle with as well. This sense of just having no hope, to the point that we may even despair of life itself. In other words, the Apostle Paul is saying, man, things got so bad for me, I didn't even really care about life anymore. It was that bad. But you see, as we continue to read through the letter, we begin to see that the Apostle Paul has an answer for this hopelessness, and the answer is the hope that replaces despair and anguish and suffering and pain, and that hope comes from Christ Jesus. And this is the message that Paul is, is revealing to us as he continues in this letter. This morning, the title of this message is, Hope is Greater Than My Despair and Misery. Hope is Greater Than My Despair and Misery. And we're going to be looking at 2 Corinthians, uh, going a little bit further into this letter. Chapter 4, starting with verse 8 and going through verse 16. I hope that you'll read this with me if you have your Bibles. Go ahead and turn there with me this morning. But in this passage, Paul, he he explains how there is so much that should cause a sense of hopelessness in their life. In other words, what Paul is saying in this text that we're going to be looking at, he's saying, listen, there's a lot of reasons every day of our life that, that produces for us, that causes for us suffering and despair and anguish and hurt and pain. But that's not a reason to give up. And that's the message that Paul is revealing to us in this passage. He explains that as believers, our hope isn't based on whether or not we have a good day. We talked about last week this reality that, that our circumstances don't earn the right to determine for us whether or not we're having a good day or not because God has already determined that for us. Amen? Because of our hope that is in Christ Jesus, it is a good day. We might not like everything that's going on in it, but it is a good day. There is redemption and there is hope in Christ Jesus. And so here, he's writing this letter, and this is his message. And Paul begins to explain that our hope, it manifests itself from our faith in Christ Jesus. And Jesus is a sufficient Savior. And so read this with me, if you will, starting with verse 8. Paul writes these words. He says, We are afflicted in every way, but not crushed. 
perplexed, but not driven to despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Struck down, but not destroyed. Always carrying in the body the death of Jesus, so that the life of Jesus may be manifested in our bodies. For we who live are always been giving over, being given over to death for Jesus' sake, so that the life of Jesus also may be manifest in our mortal flesh. So death is at work in us, but life in you. Since we have the same spirit of faith, according to what has been written, I believe, and so I spoke. We also believed, and so we also speak, knowing that he who raised the Lord Jesus will raise us also with Jesus and bring us with you into his presence. For it is all for your sake, so that as grace extends to more and more people, it may increase thanksgiving to the glory of God, so we do not lose heart. Though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. Now, this is a rather lengthy passage, and there's so much that can be gleaned from this. There's so much that we could learn from from this passage, and as I was reading through it, and thinking about the realities of hopelessness and the, the effects that it has on each one of us day by day. I was thinking about the things that, that I was taking away from this passage. And so this morning, I want to I sort of offer to you the things that I took away from this as I was reading through this passage. And the first thing that I want to present to you is this. That Paul seems to be revealing to us here that the theme of the Christian life is endurance. The theme of the Christian life is endurance. Look with me, if you will. Notice how Paul, in verses 8 and 9, begins to reveal this. Now remember, Paul is saying this. He's saying, listen, I've been so low, I've been so much at despair that I felt like giving up on life. You remember that in verse one, in chapter one, that's what he says. He says, man, I've been driven to despair that I wanted to give up on life. But he continues writing this letter and we see something that sort of unfolds as he writes. And by the time we get to verse eight and nine of chapter four, we see these words where the apostle Paul, he says this, he says, he says, we are afflicted in every way, but we are not crushed. In other words, we, we may feel the affliction of life, but it doesn't bring us down. He says here, he says we're not crushed. He says, he says we're perplexed, but we're not driven to despair. In other words, we, we have questions about why we're having to go through stuff and why we have to deal with it or why it dealt with us, but we're not driven to despair because of it. We may be perplexed, but we are not driven to despair. We are persecuted, but we are not forsaken. You see how he is describing these modes or these means of, of suffering in one's life? And yet he says, you know what? We keep going. He says, we're struck down, but we're not destroyed. And so here in these two verses, we see this sort of theme of enduring that sort of springs to the surface. This idea that we are to, to just press on, that we are to continue moving forward, that we are not to give up, but we are to indeed endure through the situations that we face. 
In fact, as you look through Scripture, from cover to cover, there seems to be this idea that as believers in Christ Jesus, there will be suffering in our life. But we are to endure it. We are to press on. We are not to allow it to crush us. We are not to allow it to destroy us. We are not to allow our circumstances in life to cause us to live lives of hopelessness. Why? Because Jesus is our hope. Because Jesus is our hope. Have you ever noticed as you look through Scripture how a lot of bad things happen to people in the Bible? Have you ever noticed how God's people in the Bible, it just seems like there's just so many bad things that happen to them. Even the Apostle Paul was, I mean, he was beaten and he was, he was stoned and left for dead. He was, he was shipwrecked. He was bitten by snakes. I mean, there just seems to be so many things that happen to the people that we read in Scripture. And yet what we see is there's this, this attitude, this, this thought to continue on, to persevere, to, to endure life's hardships. Why? Because God is greater than all of those things. We see it over and over and over throughout Scripture. All through Scripture, there's this theme of enduring, of persevering, of being strengthened by the circumstances that we face and not giving up on life but having hope in Christ Jesus. Over and over and over. I want to show you some of this real quickly. I want to read the whole Bible to you this morning. <laughs> I mean, that's where we see it, isn't it? Now, I want to read you a few passages. I'll go through these quickly because it's just, I want you to see how endurance is such a theme for us as followers of Christ Jesus. We can't give up. We can't stop. We can't quit just because life isn't going the way we think life should be going. We can't lose hope. It's not what a believer does. It's not what a child of God does. In Isaiah 40, verse 31, we read this. But they who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not they don't give up they just continue on in Romans 5 verses 3 and 4 it says not only that but we also rejoice in our sufferings knowing that suffering produces here's that word endurance suffering produces endurance and endurance produces character and character produces what hope that which we're talking about here this morning. So suddenly, you see, the circumstance that we're going through, it causes, it has this sort of cause and effect as Jesus has intended it to, where we, as we press on, as we endure, as we persevere, as we continue to fight the battle, as we continue to run the race, God does something amazing in us. And what happens is this endurance produces character and ultimately produces hope in a life that could feel like hopelessness we begin to realize that God is greater we begin to realize that no matter what we're going through God is greater that everything that we face in this world Jesus is greater Jesus is greater than everything Jesus is greater than our hopelessness Jesus is greater than our anxiety Jesus is greater than every situation 
that causes our minds and our bodies affliction and pain and suffering, everything that we face that causes confusion, Jesus is greater because Jesus is our hope. We see all these passages in Scripture. Hebrews 12, 1 and 2 says, Let us lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the author, excuse me, the founder and the perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Did you catch that? Let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. James 1.12 says, Blessed is the man who remains steadfast under trial. For when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life, which God has promised to those who love him. Think about that with me for just a moment. Blessed is the man who remains steadfast under trial. Blessed is the one who endures life circumstances with the hope of Jesus Christ. So there's a number of verses that just continue to go on and on and on. I could, I could continue here all day with these, but the question to me is this. Is so if the, if the theme of the Christian life seems to be endurance, perseverance, if that's really the theme of, of the Christian life, then how do, we, how do we do that? What is it that we need to understand? How do we endure? How do we, how do we hold fast in the midst of, of despair and misery? And there, I believe there are several things that, that our text points out to us this morning. I want to share these with you real quickly. The first one is this, is that faith is the means by which we endure. Faith is the means by which we endure. Faith is so critical in our life, and we know that we are saved by grace through faith. We've heard that all our life as believers in Christ Jesus, and so we may have some sense of faith, of understanding, of believing in God, but oftentimes as we go through life's difficult challenges, we don't look like people of faith, do we? Because we're so quickly ready to give up. Because we're so quickly distraught oftentimes we turn to our own abilities or to our friends for answers when we face life's most difficult challenges and and we forget that our faith in Christ is sufficient but what we see here in our passage is that faith is the means by which we endure look at verse 13 and 14 with me it says since we have the same spirit of faith According to what is written, I believe and so I spoke. We also believe and so we also spoke, knowing that he who raised the Lord Jesus will also raise us with Jesus and bring us in with you into his presence. Look at this with me, if you will. Do you see the, the sort of the, the, the common thread throughout these verses here? It says we, we, all have, we all have this spirit of faith. I believe and we believe. You see, these words believe are, 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 are really huge words in these, in these two passages because they, they point to something that, is a, that should be a reality in every Christian's life, and that is that we, we not only say, yeah, God is in control, we not only say, yeah, Jesus is sufficient, but we truly believe that because our faith is in Christ Jesus 
who is the sustainer of life, who is our Lord and Savior. Our faith is in the Lord Jesus Christ, who is our wonderful counselor. He's our Prince of Peace. Our faith is in the Lord Jesus Christ. And not only do we say that, but we believe that. And because we believe that, we speak that. Because we believe that, we know that. And that's what he says here in this passage as we continue reading. He says, knowing that he raised the Lord Jesus, he will also raise us with Jesus and bring us with you into his presence. You see, this word knowing is a word that points to certainty. To absolute certainty that God is all-powerful and that he raised Jesus from the dead. And if he can do that, he can handle our little circumstances on this life. Amen? That's who Jesus is. And so Paul is saying, faith is the means by which we endure and we know that faith is important to the Christian life. Hebrews 11 is, a, is an entire chapter that lists one person after another. An entire chapter. Go and read it if you will. Hebrews chapter 11 is an entire chapter where one person after another is listed as being incredible people of faith. You see, they were able to accomplish the things that they had to accomplish in life, the hardships that they faced. Why? Because they had this tremendous faith in God. They knew, they knew that God was sovereign. Hebrews eleven six tells us this, and without faith it is impossible to please him, for whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. And so the question is this, and, and you know, as we think about faith, because we are, the reality is we may be sitting here today and we may say, I want more faith then. Pastor David, I believe in Jesus, I believe in him, but sometimes life is so difficult, I kind of don't really believe he can handle my situation. And so I want more faith. I want to be a person who lives by faith. How can we become people of faith? How can we, how can we have more faith which helps us to endure and ultimately leads to us having more hope? How can we be those sorts of people? Well, here's the thing. The Bible tells us that faith comes from hearing and hearing from the word of Christ. Faith comes from hearing and hearing from the word of Christ. And so here's what I want to offer to you here this morning. One of the reasons why we should see prayer and the study of God's word as vital in our life is because ultimately it produces faith. There are so many Christians living their life today that spend very little time in prayer. There are so many Christians that are living their life on a daily basis and the only exposure they have to the Word of God is what happens on Sunday morning. My friends, if we are ever going to be people of faith, if we're ever going to be children of God, if we're ever going to be disciples of Christ who are able to endure life's most difficult circumstances, then we have to be people of prayer and we have to be people who read and study God's Word because it is by Hearing the word of God that we grow in our faith. It is by hearing 
from God. It's by reading the Word of God. Let me just, let me just share a couple of things with you. Two, two things that happen when we discipline ourselves to pray and study God's Word. These two things. There's a lot more things that can happen in our life than just these two things. But as it relates to us enduring uh, in this life that we live in, there's two things that I want, us to, I want to point out here. When we pray and when we study God's Word, we begin to know Him more. That's one. We begin to know Him more. By His Holy Spirit, He speaks to us and He reveals Himself to us. We, we gain not only an intellectual understanding of who Jesus Christ is, but our hearts swell because of who Jesus Christ is. So we know Him more. The second thing is, when we pray and we discipline ourselves to study God's Word and we begin to know Him more, we begin to trust Him more. Because we see how God delivered so many people throughout the scriptures. And as we read the promises of God, we begin to realize that those same promises are promises that apply to our life. And as we have lived our life, we've seen God fulfill those promises in our life. You know, in life, we don't just trust a stranger that walks into our life, do we? A man walks into our life or a woman walks into our life. We don't know them. We don't have any idea who they are. And so if we're ever going to trust them, if we're ever going to believe in them, if we're ever going to see them as people of integrity or character, then we must get to know them. And how will we ever have faith in God when we don't know God? How will we ever have faith in Jesus Christ as our sufficient Savior when we don't know Jesus Christ as our sufficient Savior? How will we know Him as our wonderful counselor? How will we know Him as our mighty God? How will we know Him as our Prince of Peace? If we don't know Him, we probably won't trust Him. So we must become people of faith if we're ever going to endure because faith is the means by which we endure. Eugene Peterson once wrote these words. He says, the fundamental fact of existence is that this trust in God, this faith, is the firm foundation under everything that makes life worth living. It is our handle on what we can't see. I love that. As he describes what faith is. The second thing I want to point out here, and I've only got a few minutes to, to wrap this up, and I'll, I'll hurry. But the second thing I want us to understand, you see, the first one, we can discipline ourselves to study God's Word and pray, and, and through that, God will increase our faith. I am convinced of that. I've seen it in my life. I've seen it in so many other people's lives. But the other thing that we see here that Paul points out is this, is that God's grace is the source of our hope. God's grace is the source of our hope. And that's not anything we can do anything about. In fact, we receive God's grace even though we don't deserve it. This is, this is totally up to God's involvement in our life. And so here Paul points this out. We see in verse 15 and 16, he says this. He says, for, all, for it is all for your sake so that as grace extends to more and more people, it may increase thanksgiving to the glory of God so we do not lose heart. Though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. Now, like I said, obviously, this is God's work in us. We can't do anything to earn more of God's grace. But that's what makes God so glorious, isn't it? 
that God would pour out his grace on our life. That as children of God who seek to know him more, that spend time with him, that cry out to a holy and righteous God and say, God, I need you in my life. Life is too difficult to do it alone. God, I need you in my life. I need you for salvation. I need you for sanctification. God, I ultimately need you for glorification. God, I need you in my life. Paul says, grace is extended to more and more. Grace is extended. And because of God's grace, we do not lose heart. And because of God's grace, we are being renewed day by day. Hebrews 4.16 says this. It says, let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of God that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Would you just mark that in your Bibles here this morning? Would you somehow mark that or write that in your journal as you prepare yourselves for a day that is either here now or coming one day in the future where you may feel hopeless, where you may have a sense of of hopelessness in your life, and you can look at this verse, and it reveals to us, let us then draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in a time of need. Ephesians 2.8 says, For by grace you have been saved through faith. And it's not of your own doing. It is a gift of God. My friends, Jesus Christ is the greatest gift we could ever receive. Amen? greatest gift we could ever receive and Jesus is the all sufficient savior no matter what you are dealing with in this life Jesus is greater God is enough he is faithful He is merciful. He is gracious. He is enough. My prayer is is that as we face those situations in life that He is the first one we turn to. He is the first one we run to. If Jesus is indeed the author and the perfecter of our faith, then why wouldn't we turn to Jesus when our faith is in need of being perfected. We need Him. Psalm 4-7. David writes these words. He says, You have put more joy in my heart than they have when their grain and their wine abound. Think about that for just a moment. God the source of more joy in our heart than we could ever imagine. There's something amazing about who Christ is in our life. This deposit that He is making in our own hearts, filling us up with His joy and His grace and His purpose. Romans 15, 13 says this, May the God of hope fill you 
with all joy and peace in believing so that by the power of the Holy Spirit you may abound in hope. In just a moment, we're going to have a time of, of response and we want to make a time, we want to give an opportunity for all of us here to respond in whatever way God has called us to respond. I believe with all certainty that God's word never returns void. So if I believe that, I believe that every one of us in here have had the opportunity to hear from God. And the big question is, how will we respond to Him during that opportunity? You know, last week we, we, we said that during this series we wanted to offer a promise from God to, eat, to you each week at the end of this message. And so this morning I want to give you, in my final words, promise two. And this comes from from a passage in Proverbs chapter 34, verse 18, which says this, The Lord is near to the brokenhearted and saves the crushed in spirit. Would you say that promise with me here this morning if you believe this? Would you say this with me this morning? The Lord is near to the brokenhearted and saves the crushed in spirit. Isn't that a wonderful promise? Have you ever been brokenhearted? Are you here today and you walked into this place a little brokenhearted over life situations? The promise from God Himself, the Word of God, says the Lord is near to the brokenhearted. He saves the crushed in spirit. We worship a good God, amen? We worship a good, good Father. We worship a mighty God. We worship a sufficient Savior. Jesus Christ went to the cross on our behalf. He died there and was buried in a tomb, and in three days He rose from the dead, having victory over sin and death for you and for me. And the promise from God's Word is that He is near to the brokenhearted. Just a moment, we're going to stand and we're going to sing. And I want to offer and extend an invitation to you. If you need to come to this altar today and pray, you come and pray. This is a beautiful place to come and just thank God for what He's done in our life. Many of us have been through those trials and those, those times of struggling. We've been there. Many of us have had to endure many times over and over before. And we are thankful for what God has accomplished in our life each and every time we had to endure. This altar is a great place to come and just offer up a prayer of thanksgiving. But maybe you're here today and your prayer goes something like this. God, increase my faith. God, I want to have more faith in you. I want to be able to endure this life the suffering that I face or suffering that may be in my future because of this tremendous faith that I have in you. And so maybe today our prayer is, God, give us more faith. Help us to endure. Or maybe this morning our greatest act of worship is to come to this altar and lift up our family and our friends that we know are going through some of the most difficult times in their life to lift up our neighbors 
and our loved ones and our community for those who are suffering and may not know Jesus the way we know Jesus. Whatever God is calling you to do this morning, would you be faithful in responding to Him? Let us worship God in spirit and truth as we continue in this time of service. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this day. Thank you, God, for the opportunity we have today to gather together collectively as a body. And Lord, our prayer to you this morning is, Lord, we love you. Lord, we trust you. We believe in you and we need you. Father, our prayer this morning is that you would meet us in this place. And God, continue to do work in our hearts. Lord, as we chase after you, as we seek after you, as we pursue you and your righteousness. Lord, as we become people of faith, may we honor you with our faith. May we worship you with our faith. God, may we become people of prayer and people who study your word that we may learn more about who our Savior is, that our faith would not be shallow, that our pursuit would be strong, and that in the midst of the most difficult situations we face, we endure. Lord, we love you and we praise you. In the name of Jesus, amen.